Hi, this is Maureen Milliken. And this is Rebecca Milliken, and this is Groovy Tube. We're uh, back. Right. This is episode 20, and we're talking mm-hmm. about Quarterback Sneak, which is season five. Well, before we say what we're talking about, we should welcome ourselves back, shouldn't we? We've been oh, yeah, gone for I, four years. Right. I, I forgot because we did re record episode 18 recently yes. the audio was so, so horrific that it was unlistenable but somehow yes. we, i guess we didn't realize that we did though because at the beginning of episode 19 we mentioned how bad right. the audio but i feel like we didn't even recognize i mean yeah i understand what you're saying yeah and if you're listening to this you've found us but right now and maybe this problem will be solved by the time you listen to this we are having some issue with the app for groovy tube refreshing on apple mm. it's on our website like if you go to groovytubepodcast.com you can find it you can go to blueberry and find it i think you can even go to our website through the apple app and find it but if groovy tube is is in your podcast library it is not refreshed it doesn't even have the new audio for episode 18 and no. I even like deleted it from my app and then got it back and it didn't do anything. I've spent many hours trying to resolve the issue. Apple sucks in some ways when hmm. and all customer service sucks these days. Yes. It's, it's impossible to Google something and figure out how to fix it because all you get is a lot of unhelpful shit. If you contact customer support half the time or most of the time you get a chat bot that doesn't understand your question, especially if you want to explain something, if you, it says if you can't refresh your feed or whatever to contact, but then you hit the contact thing and you just get very specific choices about what the problem is with very specific forms to fill out. And this is not one of them. We're trying to figure it out in if you're listening to this, you've found us and hopefully we'll make it easier. You know, it's never fucking easy, is it? No, it's very annoying when you have an issue you're trying to fix and you cannot find. And even when like, I'm trying to think I recently was having some issue. Oh, I, it's with my Gmail and um, other people are having the same, have been having the same issue over the last few years. What it does is when I send an email, it's only in my sent file for maybe a couple hours and then it puts it in my deleted files. Mm. And it started doing it on May 19th. Nothing changed. I didn't change anything. So I've looked it up. There have been other people that have the same issue. Nothing it says for me to do fixes it. And other people have said, None of those things have fixed it. You know, I go on forums, all this stuff. So finally, my workaround is just I copy my other email, work email or my other email address every time I send something. What a pain. It's just annoying. And it it doesn't make sense. But it's like, whatever. I mean, what can you do? I know. What can you do? But But anyways, I just wanted to say, because we have been gone for four Four years. years. It's been almost four years since we were gone and the last one we recorded we were going to be doing this new thing where we had a motel room that we recorded and that was the last one we recorded right before that. that was fun except for our our re-record of episode 18 but then covid hit and the reason we had a hotel room was because this was pre-covid we had not mastered and it actually took us a while with our other podcast crime and stuff to master remote duo yes. recording 
so we met at I think the Travel Lodge in Brunswick, Maine, yes. which is halfway between both of our homes. The Travelers Inn, I think. Travelers Inn. Yeah. And it was December 2019. Yes. Little did I know at the time my laptop was dying. We ended up using my iPad. Yes. And it worked. The sound on episode 19 isn't fantastic, but it was better than episode 18. Yeah. That was what we were going to do. And then Mm -hmm. COVID hit and we went through several different attempts to find a way to record remotely because I had recently, not recently, but I had moved back up here from living in the area you lived in that year leading up to the travel lodge. We had tried a bunch of different things, including recording in the car at Target, but one thing COVID brought was the ability we're using Zoom and it works. And then I added it on Audible. It's much better. And the yes. sound has been much better since yes. then. And right. we didn't realize how that it would solve the problem. It's hard when there's two people with two microphones in the same room. But we're not in the same room. Yes. We're 72 miles away from each other and it's working out great. Yes. And we do want to say for anyone yes. who isn't aware, our previous 19 episodes, we talked about four shows or multiple shows in one episode. Now we're going to talk about one episode of the Brady Bunch per episode of Groovy Tube. Yes. And, and we only have about 10 episodes left, I think. And it, yeah. Right. And then we're going to switch to the Mod Squad. I think we talked about mm-hmm. after we finish this Brady Bunch series, we'll have an episode about the post-Brady era with all the spinoffs and stuff. None of which I watched, but there's a lot of it in the books. And- so I didn't like them. I, I would like us to watch. We were going to, and then we didn't. It came out that fall on HGTV where they redo the right. House. So we'll, right. Yeah. So we'll have one or two episodes about that once we finish the series and then switch to the mod squad, but we'll be coming out every two weeks, alternating with our other podcast, crime and stuff. And I want to say that one of the things that I've been listening to, and this is thanks to a listener who recommended it is called the real Brady bros. Our listener is Kelly Richards and thanks thanks, Kelly. Kelly. And I was kind of aware of it, but it came out, I think they started in 2022. So it was after we paused the recording of this. They don't have a lot of, you haven't said yet who's on it. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's Christopher Knight who played Peter and Barry Williams who plays Greg. I haven't listened to all the episodes yet. I've been listening to the episodes that have to do with the episodes we're covering to see if they have anything, you know, a tidbit or anything. But they don't seem to have much any any more than what we already have for background. But I will recommend that people listen to them if you haven't. It's fun. And there are a few where they have guest stars, like they have Susan Olsen on. (laughs) They have Mike Lickenlin on. I think they have Eve Plum. It's just a fun compliment. They do recap the episodes. They don't go in chronological order. They just pick whatever one they feel like. I think our recaps are a little more thorough, but I do like theirs. And thanks, Kelly, for putting me onto it. because It's been fun to listen to it. Oh, thanks, Kelly. And also, before we start our episode, I binged all in getting preparation for us to return because I hadn't really listened. I'd maybe listened to an odd one here and there, but I had not listened to a lot of them. I usually listen right when they come out and then I don't listen again. So I binge listen and you did too, right? Yeah, I know. There were a couple things I noticed. Not anything. One of the things I noticed was the guy Otis from Andy Griffith's show, the one that played the drunk guy. There's an episode in the first season, he plays Santa. And then there's a later episode. I think it's when they're They're on location somewhere. Both times I said, oh, that guy was Otis. No wonder I thought he was drunk during his whole 
part on the Brady Bunch, he seemed drunk to me. And right. I didn't remember the second time I said almost word for word the same thing. And I didn't remember that. I thought mm. that was funny yeah, that, that my brain funny. works in the same way. Yeah. And the other thing I thought was interesting in the episode where Greg's going to play football and it's a big deal. Carol doesn't want him to play football. And this is later, like the third or fourth season. Well, I think it was the first season, the one with Deacon Jones. Peter's playing football. Right. And it's not a big deal. Yeah. So suddenly now it's a big deal and i know that that's just the continuity and there's a lot of other ones but those mm-hmm. were the two things i remember right so anyway but you notice it more when you're binge listening right like all the bad yeah, continuity things. so should we start with the quarterback sneak so this is season five episode nine we start with an outdoor shot in front of the fake market yeah and i wanted to just note that that is the it looks like a bank or something and it was in snow white in the seven brady's episode 18 of us it does not look in any way like a grocery store but they've stuck oh. signs on it that say like meats and <laughs> stuff like that it's like so, a bank building uh, yeah it's an outdoor shot and marcia's putting up a poster that says all the way with westdale massacre fairview she leaves her purse on a park bench and walks way over to this bulletin board thing to put the poster on and it's like Marsha, you're just leaving your purse. I know, you're just leaving your purse. Some guys in a convertible and they're wearing these mustard color Fairview, like Letterman sweater. They're watching her from across the street. And one says, are you sure that's Greg Brady's sister? And the other one says, good looking chick. And the first one who is also Eddie slash Hank carter slash cool guy Mm. from season one yeah is played by chris beaumont this is his fourth appearance in an episode of the brady bunch you may best remember him as hank carter the cool older college guy in a room at the top where greg wants his own room and he also played the guy that sold greg that car wheeler dealer season three right oh yeah and then he was also in another episode this is his fourth and last appearance and he plays a different character in each one they have some recurring characters but they also have people that play different people every time like hope schwartz yeah she played rachel in a few but then she played other people in so it's confusing right as a child you don't really question no you don't question it at all so the other guy says too bad she goes to the wrong school. Then he says, well, here goes. And he starts walking toward Marsha. The frizzy haired guy, there's a guy with curly, like red hair and freckles, says, don't let her good looks fake you out. And Eddie Hank says, you know, my heart belongs to Fairview High. So Marsha is putting a nail in a signpost, but no poster, just the nail. And I, well, maybe she's just going to stick the poster on, like hang it. But I can't imagine that it's okay to just nail shit to random posts in any city. Most people who put stuff up either use a staple gun or tax or tape and it reminded me when i was working for the newspaper in new hampshire and we were having our nightly budget meeting which is the story meeting about what stories are going in the paper and one of the editors brought up in some town that either the power company or the telephone company was having a big issue with people putting up too many things on the polls the power company and telephone company share the polls she mentioned that they actually employ people to go around and take stuff down and like three of us at the meeting said at the same time gee i wonder what that pays <laughs> but i thought of that when i saw marcia putting a nail 
in a poll. I just can't believe that that's okay, but. It's also not very sturdy because it's moving when she's tacking. She drops a poster and she gets down to get it. And there's down getting it to his the letterman guy who says hi. And he helps her put it up. She sees his letter sweater and says, oh, you're from Fairview. And wonders why he's helping. He says some things are more important than school rivalry. I have mm. to say he's pretty smooth. Yeah, he's very smooth. He asks her name and she tells him, Marsha Brady, and he says his name is Cherry Rogers. She says, you're the quarterback for Fairview. Mm. And I have to say, I didn't really take part in football when I don't <laughs> take much interest in football when I was in high school. I knew who our team guys were, right? Um, but I did not have any clue who like the Gardner Gardner was our rival. I didn't know who any of the uh, team But you're members. not Marsha Maybe Brady. if I watched football, I would. If you're involved in watching also, they're the in the same town, I think. And stuff, you know, like, because the kids are in the paper, yeah. or at least in the old days, were in the paper all the time and stuff. So if you're paying attention, you know. She says, what a coincidence. My brother Greg is halfback for Westdale. And Jerry feigns surprise. And mm. then she flirtily says... She's really flirting. I better finish putting the posters up. And Jerry says, no, we better finish. Mm. She says, but you're the enemy. And he says, he's a friendly enemy. He is very smooth. I feel like Marsha should be suspicious, but mm. I don't know. Maybe she's not. She's too vain. She's yeah, too vain true. to be suspicious. That's what guy wouldn't want her? That's true. His friends are at the car watching. The frizzy haired one says she doesn't know it, but she's going to help her brother blow the league championship to us. As a writer, I I want to say that a better way to write this would have been for the viewer to also not know what was going on. You exactly. Agree? And I'll, I guess I also felt, yeah, we could have figured that out by continuing to watch. At the end, they could have written some of the later scenes a little differently so that yes. we're finding out. Yes, exactly. But... The next scene is the Brady house. It's that side view that bugs me <laughs> because it's. You enough. know, one thing about that side view, you know how it's that one long, low part? I'm thinking that yes. entire thing is Mike's den. That entire. No. His den is when you walk in the door, his den is to the to right. To the right, yeah. And the door's there, so if you turn... I mean, obviously, it's not the same building, but I'm just saying, if it were, his den would be, like, four times the size of the rest of the house. And then on one of the shows, uh, later show, like, it's night, and there's a light on, and the light on in, is that part, like, I'm like, oh, that whole, like, 100-yard-long part is his den. You mean you're and then talking it shows about Mike the right side of the facing, house? If you're facing the house, yes. there's the big part with the window they put on. Yes. And then there's that long part that goes to the right of the front oh, okay. door. Yes, that's Mike's den. Yes. And, yeah. And then, so his den is like the size of a, like a parking garage. And then there was one episode where it was night and there was one light on and it was in that part. And then mm -hmm. the scene is Carol and Mike in his den. So I'm telling you, though, that window they tacked on ruins is ugly as hell. And it ruins that whole right, house. It it's not a bad looking mid-century house, but with that stupid looking window, I hate it so much. Right. Anyway, and we're in the backyard. The boys are playing football. I realized watching that. Have you noticed that the only time they play football <laughs> in their yard 
is when there's a football plot. Yeah. Like sometimes they're playing basketball or something and it's just part of their, yes. what's going on. But they are they only play football in the yard when there's a football plot on the show. And Greg is kind of tutoring Peter and Bobby. He tells Peter and Bobby to keep their eyes on the other guy's belt buckle because that's the center of gravity. And as he's about to show them another play and he's saying, you got to focus, blah, blah, blah. He loses, <laughs> he gets distracted <laughs> by something off screen. You see him looking off and Peter and Bobby tackle him. <laughs> and Marsha, what he's looking at is Marsha walking up the driveway with Jerry. Peter says, what's the matter, Greg? And Greg <laughs> says, Marsha's got to be kidding. And Bobby said, who is he? And Peter says, a fake. And Bobby's like, how do you know? And Peter says, it's his Fairview sweater. And one thing I was thinking about when we were in high school, although it was 10 years after this, also on the uh, Brady Bros, they mentioned this. People didn't really wear sweaters. They wore those leather, those jackets that were like cloth with leather right, arms. Right, baseball jackets. Yeah. Baseball warm-up but jackets. Yeah. But I think that the writers That's and stuff of the show are older so they were putting the these young men in things that people would have worn in the 50s instead of the 70s. Yeah. And also, as Barry Williams pointed out, it was probably whatever was in the um, prop room. Right. Same right. And also, we went to Coney High School in Augusta, Maine. So I don't think you can compare anything to what went on in our high school because I don't. I think our high school is probably not really representative of probably, especially of California, fancy Los Angeles high schools. So. Probably. You guess. You're yeah, probably, probably right. Yeah, right. And also even the football players wore like leather jackets in our high school. Right. So right. There weren't many, there weren't right. many of the Letterman jackets no. going around. Jerry waves to Greg and Greg gives a fake smile. Jerry thinks Marsh and she thinks him. He asks if he can see her again. And she says, sure. Marsha doesn't believe in playing hard to get, clearly. No. <laughs> he says he'll keep in touch and walks away. And Marsha watches him in size. Greg comes up and says he assumes Marsha knows who that is. She says, mm, Jerry Rogers, quarterback and dreamy. <laughs> Greg's like, what the fuck? Marsha says she may let him take her out. Greg's like, are you kidding? He's the opposition. Marsha says he may be yours, but he's certainly not mine. Marsha has a good point. What the fuck? Why should she care? Um, hello. Don't you remember remember that other guy she dated? <laughs> the blonde guy that ended up with the cheerleader. Greg brought the cheerleader. <laughs> That's right. The girls' room. Now, this is something I noticed about the girls' room. One of the episodes before this, they had gotten their room redone, mm -hmm. and it was all gold bedspreads. They had like this ugly gold wallpaper and stuff. Well, in this scene, their room is its old decor. It's the pink. And that is because if you look in, I can't remember which book that lists them, the shows were not, for whatever reason, not aired in order of when they were shot. And so, like for Snow White yeah. and the Seven Brady's was actually supposed to be the first episode of hmm. season five. Interesting. And it wasn't. They're all out of order yeah. as far as when they were shot. So they didn't really care. And they didn't seem to care. <laughs> no. And, and the scene hasn't come up yet. You, but since we're talking about how, so you really, really, really notice how dirty the rug oh it's disgusting is. yeah and actually i liked the pink decor because i like that cat poster that yes. they always had up yes, over the I bed. Liked that. That yeah. was... 
the girls room, Peter stalks into the room. Jan and Cindy are sitting on the bed. Peter takes the posters off of Marsha's bed. She has some posters, you know, those handmade posters. Marsha's like, those are mine. And I'm supposed to finish putting those up tomorrow. Peter says, we don't need help from a traitor. Hmm. And she's like, fuck you. I'm as loyal to Westdale as anyone. And Peter says, you're loyal to Jerry Rogers. Mm -hmm. She's like, that's ridiculous. And Peter doesn't even go to Westdale yet. And he says, he'll be going there next year, but they might not even let him when they find out his sister's a double agent. And she stalks into the bathroom. I was surprised that the name Benedict Arnold did not come up. The last time it came up was in our episode 18 episode 96 yes. of the Brady Bunch. Jan says it to Marsha. And that was the ninth and final time Benedict Arnold came up in a Brady Bunch episode. Oh, so I won't miss the name. Jan tells Peter he shouldn't have called Marsha a traitor. Cindy says, you hurt her feelings. Peter says it serves her right for hanging out with a Fairview freak. Jan says she doesn't sound like a freak. Peter says anyone who goes to Fairview is a freak, especially before a big game. Mm. Jan says you can't compare romance to football. Peter says, yeah, football is important. Jan says a football game lasts only 60 minutes, but a romance can last a whole month. And Cindy says, at least. (laughs) I think it's interesting the difference between the importance of relationships to the girls and the importance of football to guys. It's just like real life. Yeah. And it, as you'll see through the rest of the episode, it splits right down gender lines. Unfortunately, the message seems to be that football is more important than romance. Or I don't even want to say romance, than human relationships yes. and liking somebody, even though Jerry's a big phony and everything. But let's say he wasn't. They don't know that yet. Liking somebody for who they are rather than what the label you want to put them on or what you what phony thing you believe they represent. You know, it would have been almost a more interesting episode if Jerry had actually liked Marsha. Yes. And then he had more of a um moral dilemma. Yes. But that would be too be too complicated for the two men. Two men who wrote this 22-minute it, it might be something that would happen in, like, something else of the era. What was that one that Christy McNichol played, Buddy? Oh, right. It? Oh, my God. Family. Was that called Family? Family? Yeah, something yes. like that. Yes. Or, one of, or even Eight is or Enough. James at 15. Oh, yeah, James at 15. Anyways. Yeah. So the next one, we're in the kitchen. And Carol is sitting at the table putting stamps, green stamps or whatever, into a book. Yes, although they're purplish and she's getting a break from her mundane life. Oh, well, actually, she isn't. It's more of her Monday. She's not doing needlepoint. She's putting trading stamps in a book. Although someone argued needlepoint. I do. I know we had that argument last time. But, you know, it's been in the books that they wanted her. Some of the people on the show wanted Carol to get a job by this point. I think Florence Henderson wanted Carol to get a job. Yes, but they didn't want her to because it would have spoiled this whole perfect family thing. I'm just saying if Mike had allowed Carol to get a job and her life had been more full, then she wouldn't have been so susceptible later in this episode to the charms of Tank. We'll see. Yeah. So Alice is doing the dishes. Mike kisses Carol, but the phone rings. So he picks up the phone and someone <laughs> someone is looking for twinkles. 
Mike laughs and says, there's no twinkles here. But Carol gets a weird look on her face. She says, yes, there is. And she grabs the phone. It's Tank. Mike and Alice wonder about the names Twinkle and Tank as Carol talks on the phone. Carol says, of course she wants to see Tank. They set up a date for seven o'clock tomorrow. She smiles as she hangs up. She says, how about that? And Mike is a blue and white striped shirt and a very wide tie. Got yeah. Like black with like polka dots. And he's yeah, got it's that very groovy. Suit. It's groovy. Mike says, how about what? Carol says, that was Tank Gates. Alice says, what's a Tank Gates? Carol says, only the best athlete Westdale High ever produced. Mike looks skeptical. Carol says he played every sport. His muscles had muscles. And I always remember that line. When I was a kid, for some reason, that line really appealed to me. (laughs) Well, I don't understand. And correct me if I'm wrong. And our listeners can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to go back and listen, but I guess I could. A few episodes ago with, with the goat, they stole the goat from Fairview, I guess. Greg had that goat up in his attic room. Mm-hmm. I swear Mike said he went to Westdale and they stole a mascot. Right. When he was I, I believe that's true. Although Mike could be older than Carol. Oh, that could and be. may not know. The thing I want to point out is when did Carol move from Swamp Scott, Massachusetts, yes. as in one season one episode, she said, she was talking to Mike about how she had a lisp and it was really hard because she lived in Swamp Scott, Massachusetts. Yes. So when did she move from there to this strange well, city in California? Maybe she Westdale? could have moved. Maybe she could have moved, you know, before high school, maybe. I guess. Yeah. But that is right. annoying. So she said his muscles have muscles. Mike says he knows the type. Feed him a bunch of bananas and let him swing from the trees. Right, Alice? And Alice says she might swing with them. Uh, Good for Alice. Mike is showing the typical disdain of the non-athletic man for the (laughs) athlete. Carol is in wonder hearing from Tank after all these years. Mike says they must have called him Tank because his head is shaped like a turret. (laughs) Carol says, no, he mowed down the opposition like a tank and every girl on campus turned to jelly when he passed by. Mike says, including you. No, she says. He says, good. But then she continues. <laughs> he didn't pass me by. Good for so, Carol. Owning yeah. it. And then she said, we sort of went together my senior year. And Mike says, sort of or did. Carol's like, well, what's the difference? And Mike gets all bent out of shape. And Carol says, it was a long time ago. She says, you're going to love meeting him. Mike tells Alice she better go buy some bananas and he leaves. (laughs) And Carol is pleased that Mike is jealous. And Alice seems to think that's nice, too. It is false belief in that kind of behavior by a man that it's romantic or means he loves you when it's actually a sign of coercive control. Exactly. It's just annoying. I mean, obviously the Brady Bunch isn't going to take on coercive control, but it's just another part of the Brady Bunch's simplistic looks at gender. Yes, women then and women now do think jealousy is a sign that the guy loves them, but it just annoys me to to see just these blatant sexist, tropes like that and part of the underlying thing on the show always is that the women are silly and have silly emotions and silly silly conclusions to things now we're in the family room mike is quizzing greg with the westdale playbook 
Mm. Mike is amazed that Greg can know the whole book, but not remember to take the trash out. Mm. Greg says it's because there are no pom-pom girls around. And we know all about Greg's cheerleading fetish. Yes, we do. <laughs> we certainly do. Greg says thanks and leaves the room, leaving the playbook on the table. And why wouldn't he take it with him? Right, because you'd think you'd have to study it more. And also, as I said, I know nothing about football. Um, mm -hmm. I guess, so this is my understanding of what a playbook is. They have names, I guess, for their plays. So then they call them to each other. We're going to do play. Right. So know, the quarterback says T17-5. Okay. And oh, so the other okay. guys on the line of scrimmage know ready. what play it is and get in position for that okay. play. I get it now. And I have more to say about that in a couple minutes when okay. we get to it. It seems like it'd be a lot to memorize. I wouldn't It like is it. a lot to memorize. That's why the quarterback is usually supposedly the smartest guy on the team. Although Greg's the halfback. I don't know what the difference is. Well, a halfback is a running back. The, you know, the quarterback is the guy who gets the ball from the center and either has to pass it or run with it or oh, hand okay. it off. A halfback is one of the guys who would the ball would be handed oh, to yes. pass okay. to. All right. Now we're at an outdoor scene again. It's uh, I guess it's at Fairview High. Jerry and a cute, I thought a good looking guy are walking together. Then the good looking guy goes off and the frizzy red hair guy approaches and he wants to know how's it going with Marsha? Jerry says not to worry. The frizzy hair guy says the game is Saturday. They need Westfield's playbook by Thursday. Jerry says, we'll get it sooner. I'm seeing her this afternoon. And they really would have needed the playbook at the beginning of the week. One or two days isn't going to be enough yeah. to prepare for those plays. No shit. Frizzy says, you're some operator. I know. How are they going to have to practice? This? Right. Jerry and Marsha pull up in the driveway and she waits for him to open her. And it's, <laughs> it's like the longest, to... I want to say it's the longest fucking walk around a car. And she's just sitting there prim and proper as he walks all the way around the hood of the car. Right. And maybe that tradition began in the days of horses and carriages when women had all these big skirts and little boots and the carriages were high and they needed help getting down or whatever. But in 1973, I do not understand the point of the woman sitting there in the car doing nothing so the guy can come all the way I around think... and open the door for her. Well, in Marsha's case, I think it's a power play, but because right. I never would have done that. No, I would have been, been out of that out car. Of there. I would have been in the house eating chocolate kind of cake game. by the I time know. Nick I got I know. She tells him she's surprised he picked her up at school. What about practice? And I'm thinking, no shit. Yeah, you right. got two days to the game. Jerry says he ran 90 yards for a touchdown and kept going. <laughs> he says, don't I get a reward? And she says, well, what did you have in mind? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Big blow job says, in the convertible. Then he says a cold drink. Yeah. Uh, and she invites him in. Cindy and Bobby are on the teeter-totter and they walk by and Marsha introduces them and Cindy says, Marsha's right, he's gorgeous. And Bobby tells him, <laughs> Bobby tells him he hopes Westdale whips the pants off them Saturday. Right. And Marsha's embarrassed, but Jerry doesn't give a shit. And do you notice how Jerry, when they go into the house, Jerry goes to Cindy, gives her a little like pistol 
Oh no, like, I didn't see that. A little pistol thing to her. <laughs> I didn't see that. Like he appreciated this. Oh yes, story. they go into the house and Jerry does this finger point thing at Cindy. So right. I didn't write that. Like, down. like okay, that. little chicky. In a few years, <laughs> I'll be in your pants too. <laughs> To me, that's like, well, that guy is a pro. I mean, right. he's played four different things. Right. So, Pretty good. Does a little extra things like that. That Who knows if that was the direction or if he just right. did it on his own. Right. Cindy tells Bobby he was rude. Jerry is Marsha's friend. Bobby says he's a Fairdale fake. Cindy says all the boys think about is football. Love is more important. Bobby says, how do you know? You've never played either one. <laughs> Cindy gets off the seesaw and Bobby drops to the ground. Uh-huh. Now we're in the family room. Marcia tells Jerry to have a seat and she goes in the kitchen to get him some lemonade. He looks around the room. He has a conversation with her through the pass through. So he's looking for a playbook. He knows what a playbook looks like. And he picks up a novel and he's looking at it. And it's like, <laughs> he just, you stupid fuck. Maybe it looked interesting. Maybe yeah, it's like, right. oh, I haven't read this yet. When she puts her books on the table, the playbook is visible sticking out from under a newspaper. He asks if they all have their own rooms. She says, mm-hmm. only Greg. He fixed up the attic. He says, that sounds like a great idea. Maybe he can look at Greg's room sometime to get ideas. Hmm. Marcia says, maybe sometime. And then he spies the playbook on the table and he goes to pocket it. And he does not have, Anything. he was not prepared. No. And this will yeah, be more of a know. problem later. He drops the book. Yeah, he's he goes to try to put it down his pants, but drops it instead. <laughs> Bobby is looking through the glassless window. <laughs> yeah. And so Jerry doesn't see Bobby, but he puts the book back on the table, which is dumb. I know. Um, so I believe today is Thursday. So their game is Saturday. It's either I... Wednesday or Thursday because Frizzy Hair said we have to have it by Thursday. Oh, that's right. That's and right. Uh, But it's not clear if that was the same day or not, but it probably was. So it's probably later, Wednesday. Later in Greg's room, Marsha is yelling at Bobby and Greg saying, Jerry wouldn't stoop so low. So we're kind of coming in the middle of this confrontation. Greg says, why would Bobby lie? Marsha says, he's prejudiced because Jerry is such a great quarterback. Bobby says he'd be great too if he had the other team's playbook. (laughs) Greg says he'll give Jerry the benefit of the doubt and give him another chance to steal the playbook. Of course, they can't just be like, okay, I'm going to hide the playbook. We dodged a bullet. Of course, there would be a plot. No, they have to resort to their old trickery. You know what, though? You or me could do that and still figure out a decent plot, even if they did that. Yes. Like Cherry finding a way to get into Greg's bedroom or, oh yeah, you know, all sorts of stuff. Marcia says he didn't do it. Greg says fine, then she has nothing to worry about. And they'll even apologize if they're wrong. Marcia tells them to get ready to apologize. Bobby says find a new creep to go out with. <laughs> <laughs> and Marcia says it takes one to know one. <laughs> Bobby says then you... <laughs> Bobby says that you two should be really happy together. (laughs) And Marcia screams and runs out. Greg and Bobby high five each other. Well, they don't high five. They slap each other's hand. And then in the family room, Carol comes in and asks Mike if he'd like to buy her a new dress for her birthday. Because obviously Mike controls the finances. Yes, he does. Carol cannot just, well, she did, but she... But she has to ask permission yes. for clothing. Yes, she does. Because it's his money. 
He says, sure, since it's months away. She says he already did, and she models a new dress that was on sale. It's like says. a sweater dress. Mike ogles her, and he says he likes it. <laughs> he wants to know what's the occasion, and she says she needed one with Tank coming over. He says, that's for Tank. She says, no, it's for you. It makes him look good, she says. He says, happy birthday, twinkles and laughs when she leaves. Yeah. He is pretty laid back about it. He's also at that moment calculating okay she's not getting a fucking birthday present from me twinkles because you just bought that dress for oh Tank. yeah i didn't think about that we're back in the boys room peter is reading a comic book and bobby is lying <laughs> on his bed pedaling his legs in the air right he, he's doing that's an exercise i know but it's just funny i know it was cute one thing that Barry and Chris said in one of their episodes I listened to that Mike Lookinlin was always a very natural actor. Chris actually was diagnosed with ADD later in uh, life. That doesn't and surprise me. He said me. he didn't realize it when he was a kid, but that's why he had so much trouble with his lines mm. with delivering them correctly because he said he was so focused on getting all the words out that he couldn't figure out how to get them out right. Another thing about Chris that also may or may not be part of the ADD thing is in Barry's book, Barry's talking about a lot how a lot of people were very hair focused, not just Eve Plum and uh, Maureen McCormick and Cindy Olson, Barry Williams himself. But he said like Chris Knight didn't give a shit about his hair and never combed it or anything. And he, <laughs> and you can kind of tell in this season yeah. and it's nobody so else, I guess nobody on set bothered to say, okay, let's fix your hair, Chris. So anyways, they're in their room. Greg comes in and asks if they want to help him plot Operation Wipeout. And ooh, and they haven't had a scheme in a long time. No. So this is exciting. Greg explains that he's going to make a fake playbook. He has one blank one that looks just like the real one. That way, the Fairview freaks will be studying the wrong plays and lose. Yeah, another plot I was thinking about when he had these two identical playbooks is, wouldn't it be interesting if they actually got the right playbook? I thought that too, because the show's writers do love mix-up Yes, as we'll see in the next. Greg wants Peter to read the plays out of the real book so he can switch them to fake ones in the bogus book. Why does Peter need to read the plays to switch them? Why don't they just make up plays? I know. Oh, uh, oh, I never mind. I, I realize because Greg's still going to be calling like T-17-5. Right. So they need the name of the play. Yes. Yeah, okay. In the living room, Mike is sitting on the couch looking at a book. The doorbell rings and he looks around like somebody else is going to answer. Of course. It. He's like 10 feet from the fucking door, but yes. he looks around like, Ugh. Mm-hmm. Um, he opens the door and some big guy yells, <laughs> this guy has twinkles. <laughs> and Mike's like, no, I'm Mike. And he says, oh, he's Tank. The actor who plays Tank is Denny Miller. He played Duke Shannon on Wagon Train, which you'd have to be our age or older to remember. And he also played Tarzan in 1959's Tarzan and the Ape Man. He's the only blonde Tarzan. Oh, wow. So Mike's like, no, I'm Mike. And he introduces himself as Tank. And Mike says that Carol's told me a lot about you. And Tank says, not everything, I hope. (laughs) Where's my twinkles? Mike is wearing this denim look leisure suit type of shirt and tank has a blazer that looks like it's like dark almost black leather striped with like a tan suede it's yeah pretty cool it's yeah, like it a blazer. I, I thought it was pretty cool then and it's got a beige chair and it's neck. big because tank is big tank is a very large 
large man. He and I think large. Robert Reed was over six feet tall. I know, because Robert Reed big. looks skinny and small next to this guy. <laughs> no. So Carol is on the stairs and she's like, <laughs> and he runs, Tank runs to her and picks her up and twirls her around and calls her a gorgeous hunk of woman. Yeah. And he tells her she's prettier than ever. And he tells Mike he lucked out and Mike just smirks. <laughs> Tank says he bets that Carol's been dying to know what he's been up to. He went to college and he made All-American. Then he was in the pro, made All-Pro all three years in a row. And Carol says, yes, she saw it in the paper. He said, yeah, I was in the paper all the time. Of course you did. Mm -hmm. And Tank asks Mike if he's ever played ball. And Mike says he's played ball, but not football. He keeps calling Mike Mac. Tank says, yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> and Mike looks annoyed. And Carol says they have a son who plays football for Westdale. And Tank says, she's too young to have a son that old. I know we have a difference of opinion about this, but I know it's a line to flatter Carol, but the way he says it is... Like, he doesn't know, even though they went out with each other in high school, he has no idea how old Carol is. And I know it's, oh, you're too, you can't possibly be that age. But you don't say that to somebody who you went out with whose age you know. I do think that he was just saying it to flatter her. But the other way of looking at it, too, is Greg is two years older oh, than Oh, right, because he's not her biological yes. son. That's yes. right. But I, Carol is too easily flattered well, by... Carol says, he says, you could be in high school yourself. And Carol says, did you hear that, Mike? And Mike <laughs> is just sitting there. He's just stuffing his face with food. <laughs> they have like dip and stuff. Yeah. And Tank says he's in town for the Fairview Westdale game. And Carol says, look what she found. Their old yearbook. And Tank grabs it out of her hands to look at it. And Carol looks annoyed, but then she smiles. Mm -hmm. Now we're back in the boys' room. They're changing all the plays and Bobby throws the ball just as Alice comes in and she, or she catches she it. She catches it. And I want to say she catches it expertly yeah. and does a good job. Alice. And this was normally on this show, they would have done something ridiculous and yes. made Alice look stupid. And instead she expertly catches the ball and then ends up kind of flipping it back to him. And the way she does it in her next words, which you're going to say, she's large and in charge, not being made fun of at yes. all. And I think it makes for a much better scene than the typical yes. make Alice look stupid scene would. I do too. Greg asks her if she wants something, which I thought was kind of rude. Yeah. The way he asked her, he's like, you yeah. want something? Yeah, Fuck bitch. Um, she says it's almost time for dinner. It's time to clean up. So then she leaves. I guess. She like flips the football back. At, I can't remember which boy who has to kind of adjust to catch it. Greg is going to give the phony playbook to Marsha and have her invite Jerry over. Peter says, are you sure he'll take it? And Greg says, will a rat take cheese? <laughs> and also... All this stuff is going on. Now, Tank is supposedly there for dinner. Yes. But they're in the living room. Yes. I don't see how people are interacting. They don't seem to interact with each other at all. No, I, I, I had the same feeling. It's almost like they're in totally separate houses at different times. It's like mm. nobody's connected to anybody else. Back in the living room, Tank is looking at the yearbook. And he says, wasn't I beautiful? 
Mike is looking at a magazine. <laughs> eating, he's eating all the snacks. And Carol keeps trying to look at pictures of herself, but Tank is obsessed with himself. He keeps talking about himself and Carol is getting annoyed and Mike seems amused by yes. her annoyance. Tank has no social graces whatsoever. No. Tank wants to talk about a touchdown and he stands up and puts his foot on the coffee table and he has to tell them all about it and how great he was. And he says, guess what play I called? <laughs> and Mike says the Statue of Liberty play, which is coincidentally the only play I would, would I know. When we were kids, we always used to do that. <laughs> and Mike is happy, he gasped, but Tank is a bit peeved that Mike ruined the suspense. And then Tank makes... <laughs> <laughs> Tank makes Mike help act it out. <laughs> yeah, and that was not the Statue of Liberty play they were acting out. Tank runs around the room holding a pillow, and then he dives into the couch. Then he gets up, <laughs> he gets up and kicks the pillow into a plant behind the couch, making it crash onto the floor. Yes. And Mike says it was only a rare tropical fern. <laughs> but that scene, for some reason, that's <laughs> funny. Tank says he was bigger than life, even then. Mm. Carol and Mike just roll their eyes at each other. In the family room, Cindy and Marcia come in. And Marsha has the fake playbook. Now, are, is this dinner time? I know. Very, the timeline is very confusing. I know. Cindy says, are you going to go through with Greg's plan? And Marsha says, Jerry won't take the fake book. Cindy says, why? Because he's honest or because he told you your eyes are like fake done away. <laughs> and Cindy's not as dumb as she acts. No. Jerry pulls into the driveway. Marsha and Cindy put the books and some magazines on the table. It's very staged. The way yes. they do well, it. Well, Jerry's it, numb. Yeah, that's true. Know. Cindy wants to stay, but Marcia makes her leave. Jerry tells Marcia he's glad she called because he was just going to call her. They must have ESP. She asks if he wants a drink, and he says, sure, how about that lemonade? She checks the table and sees the mm -hmm. book. Jerry and Marcia's, I thought their acting together was good. I thought, I thought so, too. I thought it was yeah. good. She goes into the kitchen. Jerry, you would think he would have learned the first time that he should have brought something, like maybe some of his own school books. Although, oh, yeah. why would he have them? Uh, or a nap, something to put the fucking playbook in. I know. He sticks the playbook in his jacket as he's talking to her and zips it up. He picks up one of the magazines and looks through it. She comes to the pass through with the lemonade. She says she hopes he doesn't mind her rooting for Westdale. And then she sees the playbook is gone and she gets the stricken look on her face and she turns her back. And she doesn't seem to notice the shape of the playbook <laughs> in the front of his jacket. Yeah, but she sees know. that it's gone. So I she know. Knows. Jerry comes up behind her and says, oops, he forgot. He needs to go back to school for a team photo. It's like, doesn't he need to go back to school to practice? He hopes Marsha understands and she says, sure, but she's crying. And then she turns to look at him and says, I understand perfectly. And he looks at her oddly but right. then he leaves yeah and he was probably just thinking huh women who knows you can't figure him out but i thought that her acting was I good thought her acting was good and he's good now we're in the boys room greg says the paper is predicting fairview will win mike comes in and peter tells mike westdale is going to win and this must be the next day because mike has a different shirt on i can't really tell the timeline on this episode it's totally fucked up Mike says he heard Greg pulled a fast one on Fairview. How did Mike hear this? I don't, Marsha tell him? Must I don't have know. been through, going Bobby, through the grapevine in the house. Bobby says, no, Jerry Rogers. And Mike says, no, Fairview. 
And Mike says, Greg is bringing himself down to Jerry's level by switching the playbooks. Mm. He says, Jerry wanted his team to win dishonestly. And now Westdale could win dishonestly too. Mm -hmm. Mike is so happy that he finally gets to lecture. finally gets to lecture and Tank stole Mike's masculinity Uh the night before. And now Mike is taking it back by lecturing the boys. And he's so passionate about honesty in this lecture. And Greg says, oh, he didn't think of it that way. And the other boys are chasing too. Mike says it will only mean something if they win an honest game. There's a phone ringing and it's in some weird paneled office with Baltimore Colts and Oakland Raiders poster. Mm-hmm. So it must be at Fairview High. I, I thought, maybe I it's thought the coach's I, office. Maybe I it's- thought it was Cherry's office at home. <laughs> <laughs> but why does he have a desk? Cherry picks up the phone. Or he walks in and picks up the phone. Greg is calling him. It's Greg. Greg tells Jerry the playbook is fake. Jerry says he never took a playbook, but if he did, why would Greg tell him that it's fake? And Greg says, because it's not fair. Jerry says, you're a phony and hangs up and takes the playbook off the bookshelf. (laughs) And now they're showing a scene of an outdoor football game. It is a high school game. It looks like a real game. Yeah. Barry said he recognized the high school in his podcast. Mm -hmm. Now we're in the kitchen. Cindy, Peter, and Jan come in. They tell Alice it was a great game. I guess Alice isn't allowed out of the house to go to the game, even though she's supposedly part of the family. Westdale killed them 20 to 7. The rest of the family comes in. Marcia says, Jerry didn't make it past the first quarter. Greg says the coach benched him when he found out about the playbook. Westdale won fair and square. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of, but they still didn't because the bad right. plays were still in their mind. Right. And also how much were they not able to practice their own stuff because they were trying to learn I know. how to defend against these bad plays. Alice says, look what I made for dessert. And it's a cake. It's a sheet cake that says, congratulations, Westdale champs. And Carol says, it's beautiful. And Mike says, well, what if they lost? And Alice pulls out another cake that says, better luck next year. I remember as a child, and actually as an adult watching this, yes. how happy I was that there were two <laughs> cakes. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Me too. Because two cakes is so much better than one cake. I know. I, know. I love cake. Now, this is the tag. It's nighttime. Carol answers the front door and it's Tank and he has a really groovy tie on. Mm. He stopped by to say so long. He said Greg's not bad as a halfback, but Tank says the game lost him a hundred bucks, which in today's money, a hundred bucks is worth $309 and three cents. That's a lot of moolah. Hank said he heard that Fairview had a playbook, so he thought it was a sure thing. And Carol says you bet against your own alma mater. And Tank says, loyalty's one thing, but a buck's another. Mm. And after he leaves, Carol says, what a phony. And she tells Mike he's her kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And Mike says, his name is Mac, and he's poetry in motion. And then they start <laughs> making out. That's-, <laughs> oh, that's cute. But So, of course, football prevails. You know, yes. I'm not sure what lesson Marsha was supposed to learn there. Not like a guy who's expressing interest in her because he plays for the other team. The lesson I would learn if I were her is that you can't fucking trust anybody, apparently. Yeah. Someone can act like they like you, but apparently they don't. Right. And I guess it's a good lesson for her to learn in life because especially with her good looks, she probably got a lot of fake attention from guys. But maybe she shouldn't be so friggin' vain. 
That's true. Bobby saw him trying to steal the playbook and she said, Oh, he would never do that. Mm. So next episode is Try, Try Again, a Jan based one. Oh, yes. So until next time, stay groovy.